Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Every weekend on this show, you'll hear from chefs, artisan food makers, farmers, authors, experts, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. I'll also dish on living the best life, health, wellness, wine, and cocktails. So I hope you tune in and allow me to feed your soul. And of course, there are recipes galore at chefjamie.com. I also have a new Lean and Clean cookbook out if you're looking to eat healthier at home, and you'll find it at chefjamie.kitchen. So I know I'm sure many of you, like me, are very anxious about what's to come. The one thing we can do, though, is cook for the people we love who are sheltered in place with us right now. And so I hope that this show uh, serves as some inspiration for you. I've been sharing my favorite pantry, refrigerator, and freezer staples and recipes over the last couple of weeks. And the videos are posted on Instagram and Facebook on my pages at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'm also working on a list of substitutions for certain ingredients, and I hope that comes in handy for you. Uh, All about uh, freezing food coming up as well. Uh, So please stay tuned, stay connected. And if you do have a particular ingredient you're looking to use or a recipe request that I can aid you with, please feel free to communicate via email. I answer all of them personally. It's jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. I hope you will let me keep you calm and well-fed. And with that said, at the start of this show, I like to do a tutorial of sorts, one that will make you the best cook you know. And why not dig into a really good steak right about now? That would probably calm some of my anxiety, I'd like to say. Now, these new cuts, they're often what the butcher used to keep for themselves or what the meat guys and gals would keep behind the counter or maybe sell under a different name. Oftentimes, they were discarded when butchering because beef quality and this vast selection of cuts that we have uh, at our fingertips is really ever-evolving. So, I am here to remind you of my undying love for a particular cut in advance of summer so that you can eat the most delicious steak ever. It is called the Deckel, also known as the ribeye cap, and I believe it is the tastiest cut on the cow. Now, what is the Deckel, you ask? Well, allow me to clarify because there is some confusion. The beef deckel does not have anything to do with the beef brisket, contrary to much of what you might read on the internet. I'm going to leave brisket to Stephen Reichlin, and he's going to tell you all about it in his new Chronicles, and you'll hear him here in a few weeks. The deckel is rather the flap or the top of the prime rib that is generally removed when the rib is made into Spencer steaks or ribeye steaks or often called a ribeye roast. The deckle might just be the most delicious piece of steak you will ever taste. Now, 
in a meat house, I have come to find out that the butchers call it butcher's butter. On a menu, you will often see that it is referred to um, as the prime rib flap, but it's starting to be called the decal or called out more specifically at restaurants across the country. Now, it's called a calotte steak or calotte steak in France, and they've known about it or at least shared the love far longer than we have. Now, I have harbored a secret love for this particular cut for quite some time. Um, When the cap is left on ribeye steaks, have you seen that fatty, delicious, buttery cap that you ate first on the steak, but you didn't know what it was called? Well, if you got a less than well-trimmed ribeye, you've tasted the decal. And everyone knows that a ribeye is the most flavorful premium steak available. And tenderloin is considered the most tender. Well, the ribeye cap has the best of both worlds. The decal has so much flavor and lots of juicy fat like a ribeye. And then it has this toothsome, tender, melt-in-your-mouth, don't-need-a-knife goodness of a tenderloin. And that is why I love the decal. And maybe you found yourself discovering some new cuts at your local meat purveyor lately. Uh, You know, to me, it seems as if you might discover a whole new side of the steer. There are new, um, there are no new magical parts of beef, I should say. Um, But there is this very interesting trend happening, particularly among craft butchers. And that is new cuts or new names for cuts like the decal that are making their way into the rock star world of beef. And because summer is quickly approaching, I think you need to know. Now, as for these new cuts, uh, you can make fast friends with your butcher and look for a few more of my favorites, which I love, and I'm going to share with you right now, of course. (laughs) I love a flat iron steak, also known as a top blade. It's a boneless cut, and it has become a runaway commercial success. So, second only to the filet mignon, It is super tender and very beefy tasting, but it has great texture and it has some marbling. So look for a flat iron, often seen on a restaurant menu, by the way. Uh, Also, you should seek out what is called a Denver steak. So it's a Japanese pillowy cut um, that comes from the under blade and It sort of is uh, designed after a cushion that is used in Zen meditation. So we call it a Denver steak, and it is found deep in the shoulder of the cow. It is very richly marbled. It is very grillable. It is not widely available yet, but I recommend that you watch for it. And then last but not least, there is something called the shoulder tender, And it is a very lean cut shaped like a tenderloin, but it's smaller and you can cut it into medallions and it's really beautiful for grilling or roasting or even simply broiling. So you have the decal, the flat iron steak, the Denver and the shoulder tender. And I say, ask your butcher what he or she has that's special or what they're keeping for themselves and experiment. Empower yourself with knowledge because you will become a better cook. I seriously aspire to it every day. And if you would like my new steak 
Cuts tutorial. I will gladly email it to you so that you have all of this information written down at your fingertips and ready to rattle off to your butcher at any time. Now, all four cuts, by the way, that I mentioned can be marinated, rubbed, sauced, or just seasoned simply with salt and pepper. And for maximum tenderness on all of them, you cook to medium rare, then you let them rest and you slice against the grain. And by the way, when you serve that first decal to your family and friends, you will be a culinary hero. And you don't have to give me any credit. You can just thank me later. But do send an email, please. I'd love to share new steak info with you. You can get to me directly. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. Now, please, food-loving friends and stay-at-homers, do not touch your dial. Because when we come back from this break, we are eating well Oh, and in high style, because Kat Craddock is here from Savoir Magazine. She is the Test Kitchen director, and she too is hunkered down at home in New York City. Oh, and she is cooking up a storm. She'll share her best inspiration with you. Wait till you hear about her no-measure sourdough bread recipe. Yes, she'll share it. And then also later in the hour, we're getting fresh. That's right. Robert Schuler is here, our resident produce guru. And as we embark on spring, allow me to incite you and elevate your fresh fruit and vegetable knowledge because Robert's going to dish about what a great time spring is for tangerines and mangoes, artichokes and spring onions. Have you had a fiddlehead fern lately? Don't touch your dial. There is lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. My goal is to satiate your appetite every weekend as we stay calm, cool, and collected. And as we cook, the delicious conversation continues. Savour Magazine, the culinary publication for serious foodies, of which I am a huge fan, is always chock full of glorious stories about the wonderful world of food traveling the globe for inspiration and new and richly researched recipes for your table. Kat Craddock is the Test Kitchen Director at Savour, and I'm very proud to know her and to follow her because she's stress baking right now while she's safer at home in New York City. And if you check out at Savour Mag, the stories on Instagram, you'll see this gorgeous sourdough she recently made. 
She is trying her hand at sourdough bread without measuring. She's a genius. She's also using this opportunity to use more flowers and grains that she had tucked away. So I asked her to sit down and dish with us on the radio, and she generously obliged. Uh, I'm very glad to have you, Kat. Are you safe and healthy and well today? I am. Jamie, thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. Um, I love that you've embraced staying in. Those are some beautiful loaves of bread, Kat. I mean, I'm always impressed with what you do. And I had the privilege of visiting your test kitchen, which was really something. Um, But uh, tell us, how good and crusty is it? It's really good and crusty. (laughs) I bet. Uh, I actually, I used to be a bread baker before I worked at Sever. So I have have some bread baking chops um, already. But uh, it's been really nice to kind of try and take that home a little bit more. I don't really often bake bread in my own apartment. So uh, having some time at home to do that. Yeah, it's been fun. And I I think for us, it's a lesson. I mean, having been a a pastry chef by trade, and that's where your expertise started and continues to lie. The fact that you can transition to a New York City apartment and bake a beautiful sourdough means we have a lot to learn from you. So uh, give us your best tips and tricks. What have you embraced baking bread at home during this crazy time? Well, I mean, ordinarily, if I'm writing a bread recipe, I always encourage people to use a scale and to measure things very precisely because that's how that's how I always did it in a restaurant mm-hmm. or in a bakery. Um, but I don't think it's really necessary if, if you're not concerned with um, very consi- having very consistent results, which I'm not at this point. I'm kind of just trying to hone my instincts a little bit more. Mm. Um, so once you have a, a healthy sourdough starter, um, which you can either order one online or make from scratch. There are a few great methods and recipes out there. Um, It's pretty easy to kind of just get into a rhythm of, um, you know, feeding it every day, using the excess to make a loaf of bread or make a loaf of waffles, make make a batch of pancakes. Mm. Um, So I didn't have my own sourdough starter at home. So I made one from scratch, which really isn't that difficult. Of Um, course you did. (laughs) Well, I know a lot of people like to buy them or pick them up from their local bakery or something like that. But usually, um, if you if you buy one, it's kind of dormant when you get it anyway, and it takes a little bit of love and attention yes. to get it to the state where you're able to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not in a hurry to make a loaf of sourdough bread, it's pretty easy to just mix equal parts, um, generally equal parts by weight, flour, and water, and leave it out on your counter until it starts kind of smelling like beer and looking a little bit foamy and fermented. Mm. Um, and at that point, it's it's basically sourdough starter. I mean, you're going to want to give it a few rounds of feeding um, yes. before you can really use it to make a loaf of bread. Um, but it's not as uh, as complicated or time consuming or um, involved a process as people seem to make it out to be. Yes, I, and I agree with you. I mean, I think there's a, a masterful technique when it comes to bread bakers, no doubt. And I believe that it is through patience and practice that one masters. Uh, bread baking, but you have to start somewhere. And so the idea of uh, feeding a sourdough starter at home, especially when we have the time now, I think is just an extraordinary experience to embrace. And the fact that you need so few ingredients and that you can create this beautiful, humble, rustic piece of art and then dig in. I mean, you need olive oil and a little bit of salt. And if it's, you know, anywhere past five o'clock, somewhere in the world, I say open a good bottle of red wine 
and you know we could have a really good night in yeah fortunately liquor stores are still open right now so yes. <laughs> easy enough to get a bottle right of wine the still. the saving grace um if we were to want to um, start bread baking at home without a starter where do you suggest we begin um well i mean i think it's really important to start with good ingredients and yes. honestly I, I started doing this project um because i wanted to make room in my pantry and i had a lot of really nice uh flowers and grains kicking around taking mm. up space smart um There are a lot of really lovely small uh, mills and bakeries right now that are milling their own flour, and they're still selling um, online. So if you Mm -hmm. want to support um, a local local bakery like Belgard Bakery in New Orleans or um, Anton Mills Mm -hmm. and Wild uh, Wild Hive Farm are all selling um, beautiful, freshly milled flour. Um, So once you start with fresh ingredients like that, it's very easy to make a nice product. And it doesn't have to be the, you know, the first few loaves that you bake are not going to be the most beautiful of the bread you've ever seen. But fresh bread is one of the most delicious things in the world. So it mm. doesn't really, it doesn't matter if it's the perfect loaf of bread, if all you're doing is eating it at home with your pot of, you know, stew that you made during the coronavirus. Talk to us, if you would. I want to take a step back. For those um, that know and love Savour, uh, so many of us, what is it like to be the test kitchen director? What is a, a day in the life of Cat Craddock? A usual day, I should say. Uh-huh. Well, I eat very well. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And since we're doing such um, international content, I feel like I have never stopped learning. Um, I'm constantly testing recipes from, you know, parts of the world, parts of the country that I've never been to, cuisines that I'm not, you know, I might not be familiar with yet. So it is constantly like doing a deep dive into um, international cuisine. Um, in New York City, it's very easy to find a lot of ingredients that, you, you know, might be a little bit more difficult to source elsewhere. Um, but, you know, it's getting easier and easier to find those ingredients online anyway, which we're all learning right now, of course. Yeah. And we get a lot of recipes in that are um, very minimal, very basic, and don't have a lot of detail. So there's a lot of research that goes into, you know, sorting out what that recipe is supposed to look like before we even start testing it. Um, talking to chefs, um, you know, reading cookbooks, reading, reading different, you know, food writing about specific cuisines before we really just go in and um, start testing. Thank you for the new postings, for all the inspiration. I hope you keep baking sourdough bread at home if it keeps you calm and collected. I really do, uh, because it is a, a masterful thing that you've inspired all of us to do as well. And I think we need to be reminded that, you know, this is the time to learn something new, to master a lesson, uh, to embrace what we have and make the best of it and to make it as delicious as it can be. And uh, Savour Magazine is is always doing that for all of us that love food. The wide and wonderful world of recipes and cooking, wine, and culinary arts can be found in Savour. And you can check out their stories on Instagram at Savour Mag. You can follow Kat Craddock, the uh, Test Kitchen Director of Savour Magazine at K-A-T-C-O-N-T-R-O-L. And please visit Savour.com for delicious inspiration. Kat, I hope you'll come back. Let us know what you're baking next. And please do stay healthy, warm, and well, okay? Thanks so much, Jamie. You Thank too. you. Thank you. Talk soon. There is lots more fabulous food from experts and artisans and beyond in your radio. So don't touch your dial. Grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen here right after this.
You're about to get fresh. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. After a long winter, there is nothing more welcome than the sight of spring's first fruits and veggies. Crisp lettuces and earthy morels and slender spears of asparagus, my favorite tangerines, spring onions, fresh peas, piles of bright rhubarb. Oh yes, bring it on. In our continuing series of comprehensive seasonal produce insight, we're sharing the best of spring's bounty today. And when you think tasty, tangy, sweet, tart, and delicious, you think Melissa's, providing quality produce to chefs and restaurants and grocery stores for over 25 years. I'm very proud and grateful to have Melissa's as a partner of this show since my inception 17 years ago, and their products just keep getting sweeter. Robert Schuler is our resident produce guru, whom you know and love, and the director of all things fresh and delicious for Melissa's World Variety Produce, and he is here to increase your fruit and veggie knowledge. Hi, Robert. Uh, Happy spring. Happy spring, Jamie. (laughs) Thank you. It is a great time to talk about Ojai Pixie Tangerines. You know how I love them. And the season is set to be good, is it not? Oh, definitely. They are tasting wonderful. Yeah, super sweet. These are tangerines, and these are a late-season variety. And so, you know, even though tangerines start in November, Mm -hmm. these are the late-season that are all spring long. Mm. These are easy to peel. They're seedless. Um, They don't have all the pulp that you are are used to seeing on other tangerines. So you have a sweet and delicious Mm. fruit from Ojai, California. Their most famous crop for all of the United States are these Ojai Dixie tangerines. Yeah, they're so like crazy delicious because of their bricks level, right? The sugar level. Uh, that we yes. that we monitor fruit and vegetables by, and they are always sweet. And I love to finish um, like a cream cheese tart with them, or I'll throw them into a fruit salad. But my most favorite thing to do, and cheers to you, Robert, as the Ojai Pixie Tangerines come into play, is um, I'll muddle them into a cocktail. And there is nothing that welcomes spring like that. Definitely. Oh, so good. wonderful. Yeah, okay, so we'll toast together. Um, Rhubarb, one of my favorites. You know, I make a rhubarb fool, the vintage English dessert. So I'll cook the rhubarb down with sugar and layer it with uh, whipped cream and sometimes a a thin layer of Amoretti cookies. But rhubarb has stood the test of time, right? I mean, we all love rhubarb from, from the history perspective of it. Yes, and if you didn't know for your uh, listeners, yeah. is rhubarb is actually a vegetable. It's a stalk. It's bright red in color. You only eat the stalk, not the leaf. And um, all this time you thought rhubarb pie was a fruit, but right. it's actually a vegetable. Um, it, it, it is a very tart mm-hmm. fruit, a vegetable. However, you have to add the sugar or the sweetness with... Um, um, strawberries, they pair so well with strawberries, yes. and it's one of those vegetables that are always looked upon as a fruit. 
Yeah, it's it's really fascinating history, in fact. Um, but I happen to love rhubarb, and I think it's a celebration when you see rhubarb in season. You know that we've transitioned from the cold winter months into the fresh bloom of spring. Can we talk radishes for a minute? Because I think radishes have become more in vogue than ever. And Melissa's offers an incredible variety of radishes, but they are like... Uh, an an artist's painting. I mean, you can get radishes of so many varieties today from Melissa's, and they're beauties. Yes, actually, the most popular trending variety is the watermelon radish. It is called the watermelon radish uh, because when you cut it open, it, it is whitish green on the outside, and it's a bit larger than your typical uh, radish. You know, most radishes are about the size of a ping pong ball, but a watermelon radish, they get much larger. You can find them about the size of a baseball. They're white and green on the outside. However, when you cut them open, they are a bright pinkish red, the color of watermelon, on the inside. And so um, radish has really found their way on like vegetable crudite dishes Mm -hmm. or on top of salads because people like that bitter... That bitter, tart, sweet, there, there is a little bit of sweetness, but it also, it just has that extra level of, like, heat yes. that goes with every crunch of radish. Yeah, no. And uh, they're just so popular in the marketplace now. They have a crazy flavor dichotomy. And I love that too, because they offer crispness and brightness. And then like you talked about that faint heat in the, in the back bite. And I shave them using a mandolin and especially the watermelon radishes, because you can really get your hands on them over salads. Or even if you're making a big, beautiful cheese and charcuterie board, it's a gorgeous garnish. So I've always been hot for radishes ever since I trained under a French chef. Robert, and he would make radish sandwiches, very classic, you know, uh, soft butter and radishes and good coarse sea salt. And there's something to be said for it. I mean, just to savor the radish. So I'm delighted that radish season is coming into play. Um, Talk fruit from the gods, please. That's what I call a mango. Yes. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, even though mangoes are available year round, there's only uh, there's really a peak of the season for uh, for mangoes, and we're most excited about because that is when the tree ripened mango becomes available. During the spring and early summer months, you're going to see so many different varieties available in the marketplace, from Keats to Kent's to Tommy Atkins to Indian mangoes and honey mangoes. But the one that really stands apart are the Melissa's tree ripened mangoes because these are mangoes that are that stay on the vine much longer um, versus traditional mangoes that are harvested much earlier before they get a good sweetness because as you know most mangoes are imported into the United States. Right. However, these tree ripened mangoes are grown domestically in California or along the border of Mexico where they do not need to be hot water treated as most mangoes need to be hot water treated um, to clean off the sap or any little buggies that may attach to the fruit after it's picked. And that's why mangoes that are imported have to be picked early because they have to go through hot water treatment. 
But these Melissa's tree ripening mangoes do not have to go through that process and get to stay on the vine and sweeten up. And that is the bottom line, is that you're going to have a really sweet, fiberless mango experience in the spring and summer times. Yeah, you touched on one thing, aside from the flavor and the sweetness of them, and the tree-ripened mangoes are the best I've tasted. I didn't know about the hot water treatment. That's interesting. I find the tree-ripened mangoes the least fibrous. So to me, I want to be able to bite into a mango, and without having that stringiness, there is something even more luscious about them. I have been putting mangoes in my morning protein drink, and it's it tastes like the tropics. I mean, literally, I feel like it's like a vacation in a smoothie, and there <laughs> there's nothing like it. So you know, I always celebrate when mango season comes around. As long as we're on fruit, can you give us an update on berries, please? Because I found, and with all due respect, it ha- having nothing to do with Melissa's, the berries during the winter season have been. Far from fabulous, I should say. So are we getting into a, a sweeter season? Definitely. The, spree, yeah. the spring and summertime is the domestic season. Good. We have so many different berries that are available to us. Even though strawberries are grown um, on a year-round basis, they're harder to find during the winter months, and they're not so colored up and they're not so plentiful because of the cooler weather. And so these berries, though... T- typically a little bit more expensive than your traditional berries, are completely red inside and out. These are the, this, this Harry's Berries is the last of the heirloom varieties that are grown for flavor and not for size. So they may be smaller in size than your traditional strawberry you see at the store, but you're going to taste that strong strawberry red flavor um, that these berries provide um, for the two seasons. I will say Harry's has a long history, as does Melissa's, and I know you've partnered for a long time, but there is something to be said for savoring a strawberry that tastes like a strawberry. And Harry's has been extraordinarily consistent in providing what is a beautiful berry. So uh, the organic strawberries from Harry's coming uh, into the spring season is definitely uh, something to jump up and down about. Robert, we have to take a quick pause, but we're not done highlighting spring. So will you please stay with me? More produce tips and tricks on the way. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Don't touch your dial because we are celebrating spring. Robert Schuler, our produce guru from Melissa's is here. And there is more to please your palate right after this. Don't go away. Eating well and feeding your soul. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Our produce guru, Robert Schuler from Melissa's World Variety Produce is here as we highlight the best of spring. Robert, when you say kumquat, I make jam. It's an interesting citrus variety. Um, it is a small fruit, smaller than a ping pong ball, and the entire fruit is edible from skin to seeds on the inside. 
they have an extended season versus other varieties of variety citrus, and so we'll see it all the way through um, the mid-summer months. And, uh, you know, for some, the chefs only use the skin, but others use both the skin and the flesh. But one thing's for sure, the fruit itself is super tart and sweet at the same time. Yes, but with the addition of sugar, which I think kumquats take sugar very well, you get this burst of citrusy, beautiful acidity that is unmatched. It's unparalleled to anything else. I think we have to savor the kumquat. There is a beauty in it that it has such a distinct flavor. It gives you that acid, even when you supplement sugar. And it does make the best compote. And I'll take the kumquats at the peak of Melissa's, the height of the season, and I'll make a big batch of jam and then put it up or can it. And there's just something to savor about it. It's so good. Um, Could you school us on artichokes, please? Uh, Because the traditional artichoke is... um, I think a wonderful task, right? You sit down, you pull the leaves, uh, you really mm-hmm. enjoy the process. But artichokes have come a long way. The traditional green globe gar- artichoke is what you most commonly will see. It's a, um, and you know the funny thing about artichoke, it uh, is classified as a vegetable, but technically it's a flower. It's in the thistle family, hmm. and it's an artichoke. Uh, is not picked to be used as a vegetable, it turns into a big purple flower. It's gorgeous. Um, you can check on the Internet to see what a picture of an artichoke flower looks like. However, if they're harvested before, you can eat them as a vegetable where you steam them off. So when you go into your produce department or farmer's market, you're going to find not only green ones but also purple ones. Um, which are uh, simple uh, colors. They're non-GMO. It's a traditional color, just newer here in the United States. But also, you can also enjoy baby artichokes, where you don't have to, where the whole um, choke or the whole uh, flower itself is completely edible by just cutting off the top and the right. stem. It was the Europeans who started to share the information on how the baby artichoke is completely edible and now available in the U.S. marketplace. Yeah, and I I think they're delicious, by the way. I love baby artichokes. The first experience I ever had with fiddlehead ferns, Robert, was in Maui, and it was a a pickled Asian-inspired recipe, and I was hooked. And they're hard to find. Melissa's provides them very short season, right? There's specific varieties that are harvested, and it is actually um, the petal. Um, ferns petal into like a circular... Uh, coil, uh, like a, yeah. Yes, like a coil before it fans out. And when it, by the time it fans out, it would be too chewy to enjoy. So it's actually in the coil, so it's a young, immature... Mm fan or uh, leaf and branch of this particular fern that is cultivated for enjoying. That is the vegetable itself that you'll be enjoying. And you can be really simple with it and use a little olive oil, salt and pepper as a side dish. It's a very unique experience, and you'll find it at a lot of white tablecloth restaurants 
only in the springtime. Thank you for, uh, once again, for being here. We'll talk again summer. Um, and thank you to Melissa's for everything you do. Finding good local produce is a snap when it comes to Melissa's. You just look for the Melissa's logo where the eye is the carrot when you want the season's best. You'll find it in your local grocery store, but you can always order produce direct to your front door at melissa's.com. And I hope that you'll continue to listen in every week for the weekly Melissa's Produce Picks so you're always sure what's fresh and in season. And it is always shared on this show. You'll find a link at chefjamie.com to melissa's.com or you can go direct uh, with an incredible amount of resourceful fruit and veggie information. Thank you, Robert. Talk again soon. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I hope that it made you a more confident cook and that you will find solace in cooking in the days and weeks to come. And of course, that you'll continue to Tune in for delicious inspiration. If you're looking for recipes heard throughout this show, please email me direct, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, and become a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration. This is one of my favorite treats. I shared it uh, on a television segment just last week, and I'd love to teach you how. I call it banana nice cream. And during this time when we are safer at home, it's the perfect recipe because it takes only one ingredient. (laughs) It's really easy to make, but you can add a bevy of delicious additions. The secret is to have frozen sliced bananas on hand in the freezer at all times. So I take my ripe or even overripe bananas and I slice them into half inch slices and I place them in a single layer on a baking sheet that's been lined with a silicone baking mat or a piece of parchment paper. And I freeze the baking sheet. And when they're solid, I lift them off from that uh, parchment paper and I place them in a resealable plastic bag and I put them back in the freezer. And when it's time to make the nice cream, I put one cup of the frozen banana slices in my food processor and I blend and you get the most delicious, creamy banana based nice cream that simulates ice cream. Now you could add cocoa powder or vanilla bean paste or other frozen fruit. You could stir in your favorite nut butter or, uh, you know, just about anything, chocolate chips, toasted coconut, toasted pecans, bring it on. You just want to run the food processor on high, process it until it's smooth, scrape the inside of the bowl often, and wait till it transforms into goodness. And then indulge with very little guilt, right? Well, I hope that makes your week happy. And I do hope to see you here next weekend. I thank you for listening. Stay calm, stay safe at home, please, and keep your loved ones well-fed. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Bye.